Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Treasure Vault and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the beginning of 2016. We begin by speaking with Sister Mary Roll about promoting a culture of vocations, and singer-songwriter Rebecca Rubion has a new album, Sleepless Nights. In our second half hour, we will speak with another sister, Sister Mary Leah Hill. She calls herself a crabby mystic, and we end the program by meeting singer-songwriter Sean Garrison. We now begin with a culture of vocations. This is something that probably is not on the radar for most of you. Religious vocations and formation. But there are people whose job is to do exactly that. Promote and form vocations. In fact, all religious congregations will have a vocations director. And maybe more than one person in that role. Uh, The National Association of Vocation and Formation Directors is an organization composed of all these directors... Um, and is dedicated to creating and fostering a vocation culture in the church. Um, and there, there will be uh, national association vocation formation organizations in different countries. Um, to tell us what all that means and how they go about doing it, I am now joined by the president of the National Association of Vocation and Formation Directors, Sister Mary Rowell. Sister, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much, Deacon Pedro. Now, let me just clarify. So this is the, the NAF, NAVFD in Canada, is this, or is this That's North America? That's right. It's yes, it Canadian is. It's in Canada, yes. Because yes. there is, I know that I've done, I've done, uh, uh, I've had spoken to the American one, which has a very similar NA, I can't even remember the, the but, but there's the, so the National Association of Vocation Directors exists in other countries. Uh, here in Canada, the National Association of Vocation and Formation Directors. Correct? Yes, and we, we work very closely with our U.S. colleagues who are the National Religious Vocation Conference that's of the right. United States. NRVC, that's right. That's yes. right. Paul, Father, brother Paul Bernardczyk. That's right. That's right. Yes. Good friend of mine. That's right. Yes. So, so what does it mean to have what, what, what a vocation culture? What is that? Well, um, we uh, really... Um, have taken on the, the the spirit of a big conference that was held in Montreal uh-huh. in the year 2000. And that conference um, began putting us on the path of this culture of vocations. It's the recognition in the church that not only priests or religious have vocations, but that in fact all of us do. Okay. And that all of our particular vocations... Um, are, if you like, um, a, 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 a special expression of the vocation that we are called to from our very baptism. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's not a hierarchical idea that one is better than the other, but that within the church serving the world, if we all fully live our vocations, be that marriage, be that the single life in yeah. the world, priesthood, or um, consecrated life as a, as a religious man or woman, mm-hmm. uh, priest or brother, um, we um, are, in fact, um, all contributing, like a lovely patchwork quilt, um, right. to, to building up God's, God's kingdom in our world through our church. And so, although sometimes NAVFD has a specific focus, 
um, we try to embrace a full culture of vocation, realizing that we each complement one another and give strength to one another in as much as we all fulfill our own faithfulness to our particular vocations. Yeah, but see, that's really interesting because then uh, even my whole introduction, because I even uh, because the NRVC and you you made that distinction very clear, mm-hmm. national religious vocation. But you're not a national. You're not focusing specifically on religious vocations, then. No, although some of our work does, um, okay. you know, focus specifically. But it is that lovely recognition that yes. um, somehow or other there's this lovely complementarity in the church. I like that. I like that very much. You know, I'm, a, I'm an ordained minister, but I'm not <laughs> in religious. Um, and people, most people are not religious, but they're married. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the poor single people who are always left behind. Um, That's right. Instead of realizing that yes. for some people that is yes. a choice in response to God's love and that it enables them to do what it is they're called to do in the world, too. Yeah. One of the interesting things we've found um, is, particularly from the American research in, in the United States, yes. is that um, families um, who are able to, to fully live their vocation um, are a wonderful seedbed also yes. for religious vocations yes. um, or for, for priestly vocations. And so um, we each make this, this great contribution to one another, and none of it can be separated. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, once heard, um, I once read something from Father Timothy Radcliffe, uh-huh. who used to be the, um, uh, the leader of the Dominicans across the world. Right. And he said that he was once going to attend the profession of vows of a sister who um, lived in a very, very poor area of Portugal. And he didn't speak Portuguese, but the brother translated for him. And when they arrived in the area, uh, the sister was making her vows in the parish church, and she lived with the very poor and marginalized. And um, the little children were all playing in the street. And mm-hmm. Father Timothy asked the little boy, what is it then that um, that is on today? Is it a Portuguese fiesta? And he, the little boy said, no, Father, sister is making her vows. And he said, at that moment, he realized how important our promises to one another are to live out whatever vocation we're called to, whether it's priesthood, whether it's married life, whether it's to be a sister or brother mm-hmm. or a priest in a religious order, that the fact that we're willing to make commitments and promises when we can't see ahead of us yeah. um, becomes a beautiful sign of hope for even those with the least hope in the world. Yeah, I can, I can understand, and I think uh, our listeners can understand that, that there is specific work that you could do in terms of promoting vocations, or religious vocations, or, or, or vocations to the ordained life, for example. Mm-hmm. But when, it, when we're talking about vocations to the single life or the married life, it's a little more nebulous. How, what kind of specific things would you do to promote and help form vocations, I guess, help promote that vocation culture? Well, I think, I think we need to do um, a lot of sort of um, affirming of everyone in right. their particular vocations. Yeah. So, in fact, to hold sort of collaborative workshops, for example, our upcoming conference, um, yes. there, will be, there will be some married people attending as well. 
And then we also work alongside people like the Knights and a Saren Club. Okay. And um, in order to in order to really affirm everyone's vocation, even when we're concentrating on a particular vocation. Uh-huh. Now, I do think it's true today, though, that we have to put some special focus on priesthood and religious life. Yeah. Because our younger generation aren't necessarily even aware mm-hmm. of the options and the choices that they have that, that, if you like, God puts before them in the church. Most automatically presume that marriage is the only route. Right. Um, because we don't necessarily see as many priests, and particularly sisters and brothers, mm-hmm. as we did before. And so um, sometimes there has to be a very special focus on that in our churches, but it's it's um, everyone who has a responsibility for that. Yeah. So this conference that you mentioned, so this is the conference, this is your national uh, conference. It'll be from April 25th to the 28th in Winnipeg That's this right. year. The theme is Live the World Courageously, New Voices in Vocation Culture. Yes. Um, you have several speakers, and you're saying that, that it's open to everyone because it's not just for vocation directors or, or for people in religious life and the priesthood. That's right. Now, what has happened really to date is that it's mostly, it's mostly, it's mostly um, members of religious orders who, right, who, who form the, the, the bulk of the participants. But um, fortunately, each year we sometimes have associates attached to religious communities um, who are right. married, men and women, um, representatives of something like the Saren Club, which right. promotes religious and priestly vocations, yes. um, and um, and we're hoping that that over the years will grow and grow. We're investing a lot of energy um, into that now, so that we can promote all vocations, affirm people, and and also pay attention to the fact that um, we, we we do need to reflect on increasing the number of people who feel able to discern a religious or a priestly vocation too. Yeah, of course. And and now coming from the 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 sin of the family, the exhortation that just came out, yes. and, and there's probably going to be a renewed uh, desire or interest to for example, uh, do better marriage preparation, and that can all be part of this as well. Um, most dioceses have offices for life and family that that yes. could also be part of, of this. I'm very excited that th- 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 this is happening, and I, and I hope that you're also helping promote vocations to the diaconate, to the permanent Absolutely. diaconate. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and, um, and, and, and certainly certainly that too. Yes. And, and I think the more we can come together, the more we can sort of grow our culture of vocation um, across the country, um, we'll become so much more vital, I think, in, in our living out the, the, the Christian gospel in, in the church. Um, so it, it, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful initiative. Yes. And um, we're holding out uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of hope at the present time. Okay, very good. We're going to leave it there, sister. It's been great meeting you, and, and all the best next week for the conference. If people want to find out more, they should just go to the vocations.ca website. Yes. Is that correct? All right. That's right, and there's a, there's a whole um, there's, there's a whole sort of uh, package that's on there that shows all of our speakers. Some of them speaking on religious life, others on discernment processes. Right. One on single life, one on Ignatian spirituality for everyone, and oh, also the new gospel communities, which yeah. are sometimes religious and sometimes lay people. Yeah. So, so um, 
we uh, we look forward to that very much. Okay, very good. So all that information at uh, vocations.ca. Thank you very yes. much, sister. It's been great speaking to you, and enjoy Winnipeg. It should be beautiful there at this time of the year. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, thank you, bye-bye. Deacon Pedro. All right. Sister, Sister Mary Rowell is a sister of St. Joseph, and she's also the president of the National Association of Vocation and Formation Directors in Canada. If you're considering a religious vocation or you're discerning married life or wondering if the single life is for you, maybe you'd want to find out more. If you're in the Winnipeg area, maybe you want to go to the conference. You can learn more, as we said, at that website, vocations.ca. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Rebecca Rubion, with the title track of her upcoming album, Sleepless Nights. These days are nights are filled with endless fighting. I toss and turn into oblivion. You say that I'm a fool and I say you're ridiculous. I'd rather forget it and just have some fun. If we're gonna be old till sunrise, hang up your telephone. What's life worth living if we're together and feeling alone? I'm tired of sleepless nights. I'm tired of sleepless nights. Don't want another restless fight. We can go to bed when we're dead, so stay up and dance with me. That was Rebecca Rubion with Sleepless Nights from her upcoming album of the same name. Now, we last heard from Rebecca Rubion last Christmas. She had just put out a new album titled Christmas Lights. But now, the New Orleans-born, Nashville-based singer-songwriter is working on her first ever full-length album, and she's seeking crowdfunding to make it happen. The album is titled Sleepless Nights, and I am, I am now joined by Rebecca Rubion 
to find out more. Rebecca, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be back. So I was going to start by asking you um, what you've been up to since December. And I know you've been working on the album. So, But I know that something special happened last weekend. So tell me about that. <laughs> well, um, a lot has happened musically and otherwise. Yes. On a personal note, I just got engaged to be married um, to a wonderful, wonderful Catholic man who was actually studying to be a legionary priest for several years okay. and um, left the seminary, discerned out, and actually um, a couple years after he left, he ended up coming to one of my shows. So my music <laughs> uh, kind of brought us together, and it's really cool how God just weaves people in and out of their lives. And yeah, it's been an incredible journey. So I'm really excited for my vocation. Interesting. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm excited uh, to see how that, I mean, once we go into different stages of life, how that affects our art and our music. So, uh, mm. um, that, that's going to be very cool. Congratulations to you and your fiance. Um, thank you so much. So musically you've been, I guess, working on this new album, correct? Correct. So tell me how that process is for you. Do you are you always writing music or do you, you decide I'm gonna do a full length album and I'm gonna sit and just write? How does that work for you? Well, I knew I wanted to do a full length album because I've never I've only done smaller uh albums in the past called EPs. They just have about four songs on them. The Christmas album has eight songs and I really wanted to do an official full length and, and after I did the Christmas album I had already been writing several songs other than the Christmas material and so for the last two years I'd say I've been writing and co-writing in Nashville and picked the best songs possible and I actually had to pick with the producer from about 30 to 35 songs that we oh, listened really? to and we said okay what are the best 10 songs yeah so so that um, means so wait okay no but sorry sorry to interrupt so that means you have to have 30 <sighs> to 35 songs for a 10 song album well you don't have to but i kind of wanted to have a card from because it's a pretty it's a pretty large undertaking to do a full-length album and you really want every single song to capture someone's attention we live in such a short span attention yeah. Um, a world these days and everything's instant and move on to the next thing. And so to do a full length album, I really wanted every song to be amazing. And I wanted the listener to say, Oh my gosh, like I'm okay. Right. Of listening course. To this album for 20 or 30 minutes. Of like, course. And, and do you, do you, do you think of an album as a kind of like, it's a one project. So you're, you're thinking of a theme and all the songs sort of have to do with a particular theme or is it just a, a combination of, of kind of wherever you are in your life and, and then you decide on what, you know, the title and the theme is going to be afterwards. How does that work for you? Well, for me, it's, it's, there's always going to be a common thread of songs that I'm writing in any particular phase of yeah. my career or life. Um, the last two years have been kind of a, a time of patience. Uh, I was able to sign a TV and film deal with a label. Um, so first label deal, not quite a record deal, but right. they take my songs and get them on TV shows and movies and things. And that's been an awesome, but just waiting for the next big move in my career. And also, um, 
you know, my vocation, honestly, uh, just trying to really discern that and kind of what God wants to do with my music and built up a fan base um, down here in the southeast of the United States and, and um, you know, building across the world slowly. Um, yeah, of course. But, yeah, it's just been kind of a culmination, of that common theme of, I think, self-discovery, patience, and really soul-searching. So why Sleepless Nights? Sleepless Nights was a song that I actually finished hours yeah. before going into the studio to record it, but we, I had the chorus, Mm-hmm. And I had I had written the chorus. Uh, the tagline is "I'm tired of sleepless nights." Uh-huh. Um, and I had written it actually in the middle of the night, just not been able to sleep, kind of anxious about where is my life headed and am I mm-hmm. making the right decisions, um, which is I think a feeling a lot of people can relate to. And wrote the chorus. And later I was listening to the idea, and I'm like, this is a really fu- this could be a really fun song. And uh, one thing I really love doing with my fiance is dancing. We we oh, just nice. like love to dance. Yes. Um, not necessarily like swing dance, but just yeah, just have fun on the dance floor. Um, and so I kind of wrote the song in a way that was about a relationship. And um, you know, if I'm going to be up all night with you, let's just dance. You know, right? Um, nice. So I thought, gosh, that's a really fun. For this album, I just want people to listen to it and be able to relate to the difficult emotions of waiting and soul-searching, but also just to have fun. And Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important to be, to soak up the present, like what God is calling us to at at every moment, too. It's important to be responsible and think about the future, but it's also really important to um, really be present and whether that's getting off your phone and being with the people around you or um, not not stressing about tomorrow, like uh-huh. the Bible says, you know? Absolutely. So you, you need help funding this album. You're doing a Kickstarter campaign. Can you explain, for people who've never heard Kickstarter, how, how does that work? How can they help you out? Well, right now I'm using a platform online called Kickstarter, which allows people to contribute money to help fund the rest, the completion of the project. Yeah. So if you go to kickstarter.com, search for my name, or if you go to the link that I'm sure we'll mention on this program, um, you can scroll through, read a little more. You can even watch a video, kind of a documentary of what we're doing um, and select the rewards you want. So you can give anywhere from $1 to $5,000. And each reward tier has special, um, special different unique experiences, unique um, projects and products that you can get. Yeah. Um, one really special item I wanted to mention is this bracelet that I co-designed with a jeweler here in Nashville. A I saw designer. that. Yeah, beautiful. And yeah, and we partnered with the Mocha Club, which is a nonprofit. A Christian organization working with communities in Africa mm-hmm. to really help them get all around support from education to um, employment to running water and everything in between. And I wanted to help um, being a part-time nanny and substitute teacher here in Nashville. I wanted mm-hmm. to help kids get an education. I really feel like um, that's a fundamental building block. Right. Um, and so part of the proceeds for that specific reward package with the bracelet, which is 
in the $150 tier, yeah. part of the proceeds for that specific package will go to these kids in Africa. Nice. So just trying to really create things that are unique, that support the project, but also have a bigger purpose yeah. uh, than just me and just my music. Good. You know what? I really like that because I have it here. That's the first Kickstarter campaign that I've seen a partnership like that with a product. So that's very cool. Um, it, it it's great because in in essence, if people give fifteen bucks, they're basically pre-purchasing the album. So you, you're buying the album before it comes out. So I encourage everybody to go and support Rebecca's uh, uh, Kickstarter campaign. Rebecca, I know you have some Christmas shows coming up, and the album should come out in the spring. So there should be some 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 concerts, some touring in the spring. Um, we'll let people know closer to that date more details. But thank you so much for what you're doing. I love the music. I, I've only heard the two songs, um, but I'm very excited so i i hope that uh, i get to get the sneak peek as as more music comes uh, comes out yes. uh, before the album comes out thank you thank you so much this is very exciting and humbling and i really appreciate all the support you're very welcome you can find out more about rebecca rubion and her kickstarter campaign and uh, to help fund sleepless nights at her website go to rebecca rubion.com but we're going to put all those links on our site saltandlighttv.org slash radio so you can find it easily here now is rebecca rubion with a teaser from the new album sleepless nights here's a great song anywhere i go anywhere i go Always in my heart Anywhere I travel I'll never fall apart I can get lost Lose my direction Still have our connection Anywhere I go Anywhere I go You're always in my heart Anywhere I travel I can get lost, lose my direction, we still have our connection, anywhere I go, keep your smile in the back of my mind, to keep me warm, when the nights get cold, when I look up, and see the listening to Rebecca Rubion with Sometimes from her new album Sleepless Nights on a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Are you ever crabby, grouchy, grumpy? Do you ever feel that you are so stressed that you cannot access the blessings that come with a happy heart? Sister Mary Leah Hill suggests that you pray with the Beatitudes. 
Her latest book is titled Blessed Are the Stressed, Secrets to a Happy Heart from a Crabby Mystic, and it promises to help you discover the blessings hidden in the ups and downs of daily life through the Beatitudes. To find out more, I spoke with Sister Mary Leah Hill earlier this week. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. So, I mean, I want to talk, of course, about about the Beatitudes, but first I have to ask you about being a crabby mystic. (laughs) Well, that's, um, it just kind of evolved as my Twitter handle. Okay. But in thinking, (laughs) but I'm thinking about it, it's where I am between nature and grace. Uh Uh-huh. By nature, I'm a crab, and then we're called to be a little better than that. So not a, not the old time mystics with the visions, but the mystics that are seeking the Lord and are open to Him. And and when you say that you're a crab, because <laughs> <laughs> you sound nice. Well, you know, <laughs> but by nature, by so we're nature. supposed to overcome nature. So you're you know, s- supposed to try to doll it up a little bit with grace. So are you saying that most of us, by nature, are more crab-like than we are mystic-like? Well, we probably have, well, not necessarily crabby, but some people have other other yes. things. We call them the predominant defects. Yes. So the thing that does never go away. That's right. So, so if most people are, you know, I mean, we're trying to overcome our nature and trying to be a little a little more blessed, a little more holy, do you think that this is the kind of approach, this book that you've put together with these little reflections, are, are more for the, the regular person that is struggling with their spiritual life? Oh, yes. You know, I wrote it for, you know, just normal people who wouldn't be reading some big theological tome, but just want to get a, a, some insights into uh, the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. Right. And, and of course, the title, Blessed, Blessed Are the Stressed, or Blessed Are the Stressed, again, because a lot of people, at least in North America anyway, are, we're just running <laughs> around and we're stressed all the time. And you're saying that yeah. even though we're in that sort of rat race, we can still find opportunities for blessing and for being blessed. Yes. In fact, um, I think the Beatitudes are one of the best ways of dealing with stress, if we could get a handle on what Jesus means by these these blessings, then uh, we would have some ammunition against stress. Right. Okay, so so then what, uh, maybe for people who haven't seen the book, I have it here in front of me, so you've done, um, when I first thought, I thought, oh, okay, she's taken each of the Beatitudes and done a little, ref- but you haven't done that. There are lots of little reflections Almost, almost one for every day, not quite every day of the year, but certainly for 80 days of the year, um, mm-hmm. uh, on, on different aspects of the Beatitudes, correct? Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, there might be like six on each Beatitude, and then there's some on blessing and some on the rest of the sermon, where Jesus applies what he said to some of the, especially to commandments. Right. So, so explain to me why you chose to to have this approach rather than doing maybe a longer reflection on each beatitude, for example. Well, because I think a lot of people are looking for something shorter, at least when they come in our book centers. Right. Many people want something that they can digest in a shorter period of time, not so much to material to have to reflect on. Right. They want something that they can bite off and 
and swallow whole. <laughs> right, and so you, you and and it is the kind of thing that I could do maybe one a day, or do you suggest that I sort of, or that that I don't have to do them in order? For example, I can just no. like, open up wherever and read it. Is that the idea? Oh, oh yes, uh-huh. you can read any one of them. They're complete in themselves. You know, there's a a reflection, a little piece of scripture, and then a section called "and you," which is yes. what the reader can do to. Um, make it their own. Yeah, and I love the idea. Uh, I'll get to the and you section in a, in a little bit, but I love the idea that so even though you're talking about the Beatitudes, which it, it, which are scripture, you're still giving other scripture references that we can look at. Yes, but yeah, I tried to find some that that fit that particular aspect of the Beatitudes. Right, without without making a real obvious connection. That I also like that you're sort of letting. Even though you're sharing something that obviously is has been a personal discovery for you, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you're also yeah. letting it kind of be a personal discovery for me at the same time. Yes, uh huh. Yeah, we're hoping that that happens. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you come up with some of these. So you have, for example, I'm looking at the, I guess the second one. Woe is me. Oh. Now, that one's because we have two different versions of the Beatitudes. Yes. We have the, Matthew has these nice, blessed are, and the reward. And then uh, St. Luke does some of them, and then he turns the last four into woe. And um, I, I was think, trying to think of why he did that, but it's almost like my example here about riding a horse. Right. If you don't know what you're doing, the horse will take off of you. And the first thing to, that we say is woe, and we should think of that as, Let's take a moment, slow down, and, and, and try to understand what Jesus meant with his beatitude. Yeah. You know, he's giving us like a little warning in a nice way. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. Because so Luke writes, woe, W-O-E, but you're talking yeah. about the horse, woe, W-H-O-A. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. Now, so the, the and you section, so every, so a little reflection, just to give people an idea. So, for example, that one is titled, woe is me. And then you explain a little bit about the two versions, Luke and, and Matthew, and then you share your reflection, scripture passage, and the scripture passage in this case is a psalm. And then you have the and you section that you mentioned earlier. So, uh, so this is some. So, is it your hope then that I could take your reflection and then maybe pray with it somehow? Yes. Uh huh. You know, pray. This one particularly um, suggests prayer. Sometimes it's just something we could do, something we can think about. But usually this, the thought of the Beatitudes brings us to prayer, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's one of those, you can almost not think about prayer when you're thinking about Beatitudes. Absolutely. And and holiness, too. Uh, that's the other thing yes. that, that I'm thinking. I, I, I We think that, you know, nuns and priests, and you know, they can be holy, but not me. <laughs> right? That's a lot. It's, it's difficult even for priests and sisters. Yes. <laughs> As you know, and deacons. Um, it's yeah, and deacons. You know, it's meant to be difficult in a sense. I mean, because we're uh, we're striving for something. You know, yeah. this is part of the, of um, my approach to stress. Anyways, is that it's not necessarily all negative. You know, we need St. Paul's always talking about straining and stressing and being pushed and pulled. You know, toward holiness. Mm-hmm. Because if we were left by ourselves, we probably wouldn't wouldn't have any interest at all. That God has to kind of stretch us toward it, 
Yeah, I like that. I like that, and uh, that that it's an, that it requires effort. Um, the other thing that interested me, and you mentioned it as well, is so that you're not just looking at the Beatitudes, but you continue looking at the Sermon of the Mount. And sometimes we, I think, a lot of people don't make the connection that it's part of the same sermon, the part. Right. So you talk about. So tell me a little bit about why you wanted to include that section. Well, because there's a lot of important material there that we don't necessarily think about. I, I, I guess I meet a lot or read about a lot of people who, you know, they might take the Beatitudes, but then they revert back to ideas of the Old Testament, uh-huh. you know, uh, and they don't realize that Jesus, um, he gave us a little more tweaking even of the commandments. You know, he has his famous thing is, You've been told this, but I yes, say to you, yes, you know, and we don't, we need to spend a little time thinking about those. Yeah, those are good because here he's this is that's when I always think that he's not doing a, when he says I'm not doing away with the law, but I'm bringing it to fulfillment. So he gives us. So you have a section called after the Beatitudes. You have, of course, the one we like here at Salt and Light is called Salt of the Earth and Light of the World. Um, righteousness, anger, adultery, swearing, love of neighbors, because Jesus talks about all those things. You've heard it say yeah. that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I say blah, 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 for example. Um, maybe yeah. maybe in closing, again, I'm intrigued by what you said, that that the Beatitudes are the best way to deal with stress. Why is that? Well, because they're, tell- they're promising us blessing, which is, um, when we, that's what we're aiming for, is the Beatitude, which is God. And um, these are ways of imitating the Beatitude that came to live among us, the, the Incarnation. This is his uh, explanation of life, in a sense, how to be um, prepared for God. And um, these are, if you, if you look at them, they're all just pieces of holiness. And it, it's because we like to live on bullet points. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we can't really absorb the whole thing all at once. So these are our ways of um, of overcoming um, this life, which is a lot of the source of our negative stress. Our, when we're not paying attention to God, we're all self-centered, or we're so worried about various things that are happening. Right. But uh, Jesus is telling us, you know, try this, try being meek, try being hungry for what God wants. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing a little bit of this and a little bit of your crabbiness with us. Um, and so anyone who's listening who feels stressed or feels like they're crabby all the time or that they, there's too much going on, this is a great book for you. The, the Beat, Obviously, open your Bible and read the Beatitudes and pray the Beatitudes. But if you want a little more help with that, this is a great book, Blessed Are the Stressed, Secrets to a Happy Heart from a Crabby Mystic by Sister Mary Leah Hill. Sister, thank you so much for writing the book and for sharing a little bit about a bit about it with us today. Oh, thank you, Deacon. Sister Mary Leah Hill is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. She's a seasoned author and editor and has written dozens of books, including Prayer and You, Wit and Wisdom from a Crabby Mystic. Her latest book is Blessed Are the Stressed, Secrets to a Happy Heart from a Crabby Mystic, published by Pauline Books and Media. You can learn more at pauline.org, and you can follow Sister Leah at Crabby Mystic. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Sean Garrison, with You Yourself from his album, Exceed.
That was Sean Garrison with You Yourself from his album, Exceeding. Now, Sean Garrison has been playing music for more than 20 years and has been extensively involved with Focus. I mentioned that earlier in the program, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, and also with other ministries at various parishes and campuses across the United States. Um, His songwriting, he says, is inspired by the hopes and struggles of life, the beauty and mystery, faith and worship. Now, Sean's debut album, which we've been listening to, is titled Exceeding, and uh, so I'm very, very happy to welcome Sean Garrison to the program. Sean, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, Deacon Pedro. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yes, I know, and, and I, should, I didn't want to mention it in the introduction, but I'll say it now, because you and I have been working to put together uh, 
this great program in, uh, in Krakow for World Youth Day. And, and we'll talk about that uh, later on. But so it's great to, to be working with you on this. Indeed. Um, so you're a Catholic musician. You, uh, wh- what was it like growing up? W- was it a faithful household? Or you, you're not a, you know, were you always Catholic? You know, I was a born and raised cradle Catholic, but yeah. really uh, entered into some dark times in my early teenage years. Uh-huh. And it was really the local youth group that I somehow managed to get involved with. And we'd go on retreats, and it was really uh, a foreign mission trip when I was 16 to uh-huh. Ecuador. Oh, that really? really destroyed my worldview in a good way, uh-huh. and really made me start reprioritizing. And uh, you know, you know how God's grace works; it's yes. gradually, but really, that's what that that's what gave like a focus and a passion to my life that uh-huh. otherwise ha- had didn't have a passion and purpose in my eyes. Good, good. So there's a great great incentive to all youth youth ministers around the world that are might be listening and, and not, not knowing if what they're doing makes a difference. It makes a difference. Um, Amen. That, that's great. So were you, were you already doing music when you were a teenager going through like this period of time? No, you know, I started playing guitar when I was 15, just uh, down because the kid down the street had a guitar and we'd yeah. figure out, um, counting crows and Nirvana and Metallica songs together. Yeah. And, uh, there's this, actually this, this thing, uh, here in the United States, called See with the Pole. It was a rally. That uh-huh. was an, inter, an ecumenical thing that once a year people would, uh, of different Christian faiths would gather around the flagpole and pray for the school. Right. And um, our, our school here in Gulf Breeze, Florida, in the Pensacola area, started doing that every week. Yeah. And um, huh. so I, we'd trade off on this, using this, taking turns on the same guitar, and uh, that's right. really kind of how it started. Nice, nice. And when did you start? I guess at some point you had that, when you had this little conversion back to church, did you start playing in church, or how did that happen? You know, they passed the little cards around to donate your uh, your time, <laughs> talent, talent and treasure, and I'm like, yeah. sure, I'll check Eucharistic minister on the box, and I'll check music, and I really honestly showed up and was like, you know, thinking, yeah, I'd love to, to be able to help support this, and be like, okay, can you tell me how to play an E chord? <laughs> so really, I learned I learned a lot of what I know from music informally and from playing with church groups. That's great, great. And when did you become involved with Focus? In the summer of 2007, I was transitioning out of six years in uh, parish youth and music ministry in the Archdiocese of Denver. Yeah. And um, the Lord just made this, this um, clear call for me to join Focus. Even though I wasn't particularly fond of fundraising at the time, I realized, God, he's so faithful. He will always provide. And um, just loving this mission of of reaching college students and trying to to invest in them like Jesus did, just investing in a few people deeply to teach them to teach others to teach others. Interesting. So that's really when... um, when I really started understanding discipleship in a deeper way. So you were you were called to be a Focus missionary. Can you explain a little bit how Focus works for people that may sure. be hearing this for the first yeah, time? Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, was founded in 1998 by Curtis Martin. Yeah. And um, we've grown from three missionaries on one college campus to over 113 campuses across the U.S. with over 500 staff. Mm -hmm. And it's really based on this. It's a lot of what Campus Crusade does, if you're familiar with them. They they send out these teams of missionaries onto college campuses, universities, to be able to lead small group Bible studies, one-on-one discipleship, and just really through your communal life, just like the the early Christians, look how they love one another. And it just really intrigues and plants seeds. It's, It's amazing. 
the number of vocations, the number of people who've become missionaries. And, and really, Deacon Pedro, the, the exciting thing is that we're investing in people who are studying education and law and science yes. and engineering and everything. And so w- when these people graduate, they're going into all these various fields to be a light. Yes. No, that's phenomenal. I, I, I think uh, campus missionaries, that, that, I mean, I love the fact that somebody recognized that it, it was actually a mission field and that we needed to send missionaries. Um, in Canada, we have Catholic Christian Outreach. I'm sure you're familiar with CCO. Yeah. Um, so they do very, very, uh, very much the same thing. Um, so you've been, but you've been a musician for like 20 years. Uh, presumably you were writing your own songs, you know, here and there, but now it's, you know, finally we have an album. What made you kind of put together this album? Like what changed that, that made you feel like it was time for an album? You know, that's funny. I had, if you would have asked me, it was probably 15 years ago, I had this vague, inexplicable sense that I feel drawn to write and record original music. Huh. And I would, had no idea of the time frame or the quote-unquote purpose or like what God was doing. Yeah. And so I think it was, yes, it was in the spring of 2014, I realized, I'm like, I am just going to burst if I don't do this. Right. I can't hold this in any longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this theme of music has kind of, you know, been prominent and then it's kind of felt dormant at different seasons for over 15 years and then just felt called to step out in faith and do this crowdfunding thing called kickstarter and was able to to raise the amount needed and recorded with um with some amazing nashville musicians yeah and um that's that's a great privilege so it's would you so are these songs that you've been writing for the last 15 years kind of thing Yes, some of them are eight years old, right. six years old, and then a few of them are, you know, just within the, the year before that. Yeah. Now, tell me about the title. I always love asking about titles, Exceeding. Um, I know one of the tracks is called Exceeding, but uh, so where does that come from, and why, why did you choose that track to kind of represent what the whole album means? Yes, great question. I think when I look, when I look back at my life, I I look with humility and with awe and wonder at how God is so gracious and how the Holy Spirit is infinitely creative and how he makes connections and, you know, our experiences and our desires and all these different things are gifting. Mm -hmm. And I just look back and I see God's magnificent graciousness toward human beings is beyond. It is, it, it exceeds what any of us can grasp or articulate. And, um, and I think Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know, years back had this album called Speechless. Uh-huh. And I think that song on there just kind of captures it. We're just, <laughs> we can't put words to how, how astoundingly good God is. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And it's a great word. Exceeding. Um, um, there's another album. And, and it's funny because when I first got it, I went, oh, this is interesting, but it's not Sean Garrison. But it, but it is. Um, tell me about this origin project, this beauty, beauty initiative within focus so it's a it's a focus initiative of of campus ministry so tell me about this this how this album came about what was the thinking behind doing this sure i i i was a campus missionary for four years and at a certain point i I was asked to start leading music for our, our national events for focus yeah and uh, then eventually came off of campus and really wanted to move toward full-time music to just explore this and to really do it well right. and in the process of that just really seeing a movement within the church and within other ministries as well that places an emphasis on beauty, uh-huh. on the power of beauty. 
and just thinking of you know if the characteristics of God that are goodness and truth mm-hmm. and beauty. Our world doesn't recognize truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is all relative or just doesn't even exist. And goodness is oftentimes so distorted because of broken families and just the violence and the brokenness of our world. But there's something peculiar about beauty, it seems, that really can pierce the human heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Kraft in a lot of his podcasts yes. would yeah. say it goes past the, the watchman of the mind. It kind of sneaks past and just goes straight to the heart. Which is, you know, there's a, the mystery of how do you listen to an instrumental piece of music that can move you, you know, stir you deeply, and you not, you know, there are no words. You, right. you, you don't know what's touching you, or you look at a beautiful painting, and like, why does that resonate? And I think we're just seeing, we, within Focus, wanted to, to use our gifts within music to let the beauty of music, the power of music, just do its work. Yeah. And just plant seeds and reach deeply and stir hearts to transcendence, to look upwards to God. Absolutely. And so I, and I guess because it's a, a focused project, is it used for that very same purpose in terms of mission, giving people something that's beautiful that might move them to closer be, to actually recognizing God? Yes. And focus has so many different facets. So, I mean, we sell it at our, our events. We sell it on our, our website, which is shopfocus.org. Yeah. Um, and it's, we also give it to some benefactors and just right. really wanting to spread this wide, and we've gotten some great response. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. In fact, we're going to close the program with one of the songs um, from this album. Um, that's all the time we have, Sean, but uh, thank you very much. I know you're on holiday, so enjoy your family, enjoy this break, and, <laughs> and I'll see you in Poland. Excellent. Thank you so much, Deacon. You can learn more about Focus and the Beauty Initiative origin at that website, focus.org. And to learn more about Sean Garrison, you purchase his music or book him for your event, go to seangarrison.com, and it's Sean, S-H-A-U-N, Garrison, seangarrison.com. But we're going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Um, and as a, uh, put that on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is Sean Garrison with God Alone from the Focus album, Origin. Is the great king over all the earth Sing praise to the Lord, sing praise Sing praise to our king, sing praise In God alone my soul rejoices In God alone my spirit sings He alone my strength, my fortress I pour out my heart in praise Sing praise, 
We're listening to Sean Garrison with God Alone from the Focus album and beauty initiative Origin. Singing with Sean is Sarah Kroger. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to check us out at saltandlighttv.org and reach out to me at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for listening.